0: As you're being seated, I invite you to find a Bible and turn to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Our text for the morning is found in Jeremiah chapter 6, and we're only going to be looking primarily at one verse. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. We're in the midst of a sermon series where we're going back to the Bible. We're in the midst of a sermon series where we're trying to remind ourselves how it is that we discern the will of God. How do we know what God wants of us? How do we know what God requires of us? So we're looking at the, those tools that God has given us with which we might make right good decisions that's what we're doing during the month of August last week we began the sermon series by looking at our primary tool that God has given to us to help us discern our way through life and that of course is the scriptures all Christians throughout all Christian history has always they've always said that scripture is primary Scripture is the primary way we know the mind of God. It's the primary way we know the will of God. It is the primary way we take on the mind of Christ. Now, we use things like reason and experience and tradition to help us interpret Scripture, to help us hear what God is saying to us through Scripture, but that Scripture is primary. We're going to be looking today at how tradition, the wisdom of the past, the wisdom of our elders, the wisdom of those who have gone before us can also help us to discern what it is that God wants us to discern. So if you will look with me at Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. This is the word of God. Would you pray with me? God, we're so grateful that you've called us to this place this morning. We know that we're not here by chance. We know that we're here by divine appointment. You have whispered to us our names and you've called us to this time. So God, we give you thanks for this time that we share. We pray that each one of us here in this place will have ears to hear what you're saying to us today God the noise of this complicated world is so great that oftentimes it drowns out your voice in our lives particularly in these moments may we hear your voice as you speak to us. God I pray that each one of us will be very sensitive, very tender toward the presence of your Holy Spirit in this place the Spirit of the Living Christ as He as He walks among us to touch our lives with His grace and His glory. God we do pray that we will receive what you have for us today. This world is so complicated and our wisdom is so inadequate So we give you thanks for the wisdom that you share with us. We offer our lives back to you, God, because we know that you can do far more with our lives than we can imagine or dream. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Have you ever been at that point in your life where it truly feels as if you're standing at the crossroads and there are two, maybe more than two, paths that you can take? And you know as you look at those paths from which you will choose that the choice you make will probably have far greater consequences in your life than you would ever imagine. Life is always presenting us with choices. We have to make decisions every day, every moment of the day. Uh, We have talked about how there was one particular study that said the average adult, whoever that may be, the average adult makes about 35,000 decisions a day. Some of those decisions are great. Some of those decisions are seemingly minor, but when we take all those decisions that we make every day and we add them up, the sum total of those decisions becomes our life. So the decisions that we make, the thousands of the decisions we make every day are important. And that's why during the the month of August, we are looking at discerning the mind of God discerning the will of God how do we know what it is that God wants of us and we're looking at those tools that God has given us to help us discern the way forward scriptures primary but then we bring the best that we can bring to bear on our life with scripture We seek to saturate our lives with Scripture so that we can begin to think the thoughts of God after God. We seek to saturate ourselves with Scripture so that we can, as the Apostle Paul says, take on the mind of Christ. Our own minds, our own will, our own ways are far too inadequate for this complex age and really for any age in which we have lived. Life is always presenting us options. And to not choose is to choose. I've always enjoyed yogiisms. I suspect you know what a yogiism is. It's one of those strange quotations from Yogi Berra. Strange, but in some ways calls us to think profound thoughts. One of those yogiisms is When you come to a fork in the road, take it. Now, obviously, that doesn't make sense. When you come to a fork in the road, you've got to make a choice. But sometimes we think we go through life without making choices. Choices get made for us. Sometimes we just have a default way of acting. And all of that is indeed making choices that add up. To our lives. Here in the book of Jeremiah we see that the people of Jerusalem are faced with a major decision. They have been degenerating for generations there in Jerusalem. And that's why the prophet Jeremiah, and perhaps you recall that we call the prophet Jeremiah the weeping prophet, spent so much time trying to call the people of Jerusalem back to the right path. And they were bent on their own path. They were bent on destruction. And Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, spends decade after decade after decade after decade trying to proclaim the will of God to the people of Jerusalem, and they refuse to listen and here we see this passage in chapter 6 where he is saying to them that they are at a crossroads and that they need to decide which of the paths to take now if you want some understanding as to what the issues were among the people of Jerusalem you can look at almost anywhere in the book of Jeremiah and you'll see Jeremiah the prophet talking about what it was that had the people bent on death, had the people bent on destruction. As a matter of fact, if you just look at a few verses prior to our text for the day, just begin reading at verse 13 of chapter 6. You hear Jeremiah saying to the people, For from the least to the greatest of them everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest Everyone deals falsely. They have treated the wound of my people carelessly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Verse 15, they acted shamefully. They committed abomination, yet they were not ashamed. The prophet says, they did not even know how to blush. Feels rather contemporary, doesn't it? We don't know how to blush, it seems, as a culture any longer. Some of the things that we used to try to do in secret, now we joyfully do them in front of everyone, the whole world and God. I I think we can relate to what the prophet says when the prophet says to the people of Jerusalem, they did not even know how to blush, they knew not how to be ashamed of any of their activity. I'm so glad that Jeremiah offers them some good news. He offers us good news today. He tells us what we can do. When we're in those moments, we don't want to choose, but we need to choose. And there is a right path, and there is a wrong path. There is a path that God desires for us, and there is a path that God does not desire for us. I heard an old black gospel song recently. Never heard it before. The title of the song was, The Bible is Right. And the second part of that title is, The Bible is Right, and Therefore Somebody Has to be wrong as a culture we have a hard time with that we think we can all be right that was the world to which jeremiah was preaching and he offered them this good news or the Lord through him offered them this good news thus says the Lord verse 16 stand at the crossroads stand so here they are at a crossroads and the Lord is saying stand the word there in the Hebrew for stand is Ahmad. It means to abide. It means to hang out. It means to cease. It means to stop striving. It means to be still. It means to, to notice what's going on around you. It means to, to wait. You know, I cannot find except one place in the Bible where God ever told anyone to hurry. But I can find almost a hundred places in the Bible where God says to God's people, wait, wait on the Lord. Waiting is such an important skill to learn. And I'm really concerned about this culture. I'm concerned about the generations in this culture. I'm not sure where they're learning to wait. I read recently that the average wait time in a fast food drive through here in the United States is 4 minutes and 25 seconds. And we complain. And they keep trying to do better with that average wait time in a fast food drive through I find myself even getting impatient with a with microwave. As a culture, we don't know how to wait. I'm not sure where the young ones in our culture are learning to wait. They are constantly bombarded with stimuli and they're constantly bombarded with something to occupy their time and one of the most important lessons in life is learning how to wait. Now if you're like me I'm sure you do not enjoy a really good long wait. But God sometimes puts us in the midst of a really good long wait. And I've often thought, I've often said, that which God does in us while we are waiting may be even more important than that for which we wait. Those waiting seasons are not wasted seasons, but we've got to learn how to wait and do the right things while we're waiting. Here the Lord is saying to the people of Jerusalem, just stand there at the crossroads. Just abide there for a while and look. That's the next imperative, and look. The word look there means to pay attention. To pay attention, to notice what's going on around you. We've said for centuries in the Christian church that one of the greatest spiritual gifts is the gift of mindfulness. We pay attention. We see things other people cannot see. We can see beyond things that other people see because the Spirit can help us with the gift of discernment and we can be mindful of what God is doing around us. But we have to learn how to both stand and look. We have to learn how to take notice, pay attention, to consider what's going on around us again the way life is structured in this world I don't know when and where we ever learn to do that mindfulness so the prophet says stand at the crossroads and look and ask ask for the ancient paths the word ask obviously in the Christian Jewish tradition implies prayer as we're standing, as we're looking, as we're staying put, waiting, paying attention to what God is doing around us, we pray, we ask, we seek God, we seek the face of God, we seek the wisdom of God. Our wisdom is inadequate, but the book of James in the New Testament says, if we would but ask God for God's wisdom, God will give us that wisdom for the living of these, these days. So Jesus even said, ask and it will be given to you. So we have to stand. We have to stand with mindfulness, paying attention to what's going on around us. And we have to ask, seek the Lord. And notice what the Lord says in this text. We are to, we're to ask for. We're to ask for the ancient paths. Now, we are a culture, as I've said several times, that is eaten up with what C.S. Lewis calls chronological snobbery. We think we're smarter than anybody has gone before us. We think we're wiser than cultures that have gone before us. We think we're more enlightened, maybe even more so than the last generation. That's chronological snobbery. We think we're always the smartest race or the smartest generation that's ever graced planet Earth and Chronological snobbery, in case you haven't noticed, is not a virtue. Sometimes we need to be willing to learn from the people who have gone before us. Sometimes we need to ask for a teachable spirit and not just assume that we're more enlightened than all the other people who have ever gone before us. We need to ask for those ancient paths. We need to ask for the wisdom of those who have gone before us. I hope that you put yourself in a place frequently where you're receiving wisdom from those who have gone before you and of course the Bible is primarily the place we do that but throughout two thousand years of Christian tradition we have been making decisions we have been making choices we've been trying to follow the will and the way of God for our lives so we're not the first generation to ever be faced with hard decisions. So we can look to the Bible, we can look to the wisdom of those who have gone before us, but we have to have a teachable spirit. You notice in the New Testament the leaders of the community in the Christian church were called elders. We need to be willing to listen to those who have gone before us and put aside our arrogance for a while. Some things we may know better than those who have gone before us but not everything both my sets of grandparents on both sides of my family were very simple simple people from the mountains of western North Carolina and the mountains of North Georgia they were very simple people but in some ways the more I reflect now, and they've been long gone, but the more I reflect on them they were people of great wisdom I wish I would have paid more attention to them and listened more to them when I had the opportunity. So we need to pay attention to those who have gone before. As you've heard me probably say before that uh, I have an office here at the church. My office is where I kind of do administrative stuff. But I have a study at the Parsonage. I have a study. That's the place where I study. That's the place where I pray. It's my favorite spot anywhere is there in my study. And in my study, I'm surrounded with portraits. I I need motivation. And sometimes I yearn for motivation, so I go to my study, and my study is surrounded by things that motivate me. I have a lot of portraits in my study because I can be reminded of some of my mentors who have gone before me. And I can be reminded that I need wisdom and that they may have some wisdom to offer me. When I'm sitting in my study, I can see Oswald Chambers looking at me. Oswald Chambers was that great Scottish preacher born in 1874. He died in 1917 during World War I. He was a great teacher of the Bible. He wrote that devotional that is still one of the most widely used devotionals today, My Utmost for His Highest. I read it every year annually. I go through My Utmost for His Highest because I need some wisdom. And I appreciate Oswald Chambers granting me the gift of wisdom every morning when I read that devotional. And his portrait there reminds me that I need to drink deeply from those wells that have gone before us. There in my study, of course, there's Benedict of Nursia. Some of you have heard me talk about Benedict, that 6th century Christian leader who wrote the book. Rule of St. Benedict, I've learned so much from the rule of St. Benedict. About half of that rule is just Scripture being given to us to bring to bear on our lives. It was Benedict of Nursia who taught me years ago that I need to receive everyone just as I would receive Christ. That needs to be my goal. And then there's John Rogers every morning looking at me in my study. You may not know who John Rogers is. I've got a print of a wood carving of John Rogers. He was the first person to be burned at the stake by the queen that we Protestants call Bloody Mary. In 1555, it was February of 1555, he was a Cambridge Protestant. And he, along with Tyndale, had worked hard to put the Bible into the language of the people. In that situation, it was English, but most of the people thought that was highly irreverent to take the Bible out of the Latin and put it in the language of the people. And many of those early Protestants that were committed to doing that paid the price with their life. And John Rogers was the first to be burned at the stake by the monarch we call Bloody Mary. Some of you only thought Bloody Mary was a drink, but she was a historical character. And that's where her name comes from. I encourage you to learn about the original Bloody Mary, and of course, there's Francis Asbury in my study, that first bishop of the Methodist movement here in the United States. He traveled the whole colonial United States, he traveled the whole early United States, and he planted churches, including many in this area to make sure that the new nation would have the witness of Christ. Of course, John Wesley is looking at me in my study. It was John Wesley who's taught us so much. But John Wesley said when you look at tradition, he meant something very specific by tradition. Now, we all have traditions personally, individually. Our families have tradition. Every church has traditions. So we don't say all those traditions are significant. Some are better than others. But John Wesley said the first 300 years of the Christian community. We need to pay attention those first 300 years. And the people there in those first 300 years, we see how they interpreted Scripture and it helps us to interpret Scripture. And then, of course, C.S. Lewis is there looking at me in my study. One of my favorite quotations from C.S. Lewis has to do with chronological snobbery. In Mere Christianity, that classic of the 20th century, C.S. Lewis said, We all want progress, but if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about-turn and walking back to the right road. In that case... The man who turns back soonest is the most progressive. We need to beware of chronological snobber. We always think what we come up with is a way forward over what those who have gone before us believed. But we need to at least set aside our arrogance long enough to look at the ancient paths and to see if there's wisdom there. So the Lord says, stand at those crossroads, look, ask for the ancient path where the good way lies, and walk in it. In the Hebrew, the phrase ancient paths points to the Torah, the law of Moses, the Bible for the Hebrew people. That's where we preeminently find the ancient path. That is the good way, according to the text. And we need to learn how to walk in it. Consistently, constantly walk in it. Walking in fellowship with God. Walking in fellowship with God, trying to live the ways of God. And he says, if we'll walk in it, we'll find rest for our souls. I'm sure there's probably many of us here in this place today, we have come in this place with weary, weary souls. I think as a culture, we're a tired culture. We've gone through so much. But notice what the Lord says, you do this, you find the ancient paths and walk in those ancient paths, you will find rest for your souls. Many of us think this is the passage Jesus is quoting. In Matthew chapter 11, when Jesus offers us that invitation, Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus over and over and over again says, Come to me. Come to me. Come to me and find the path that leads to joy. Come to me and find the path that leads to fulfillment. Come to me and find that abundant life that I've got to offer. And I apologize, but if you look at the text, it ends rather sadly. The prophet says, and this was his experience, that's why he was called the weeping prophet. The prophet says, but they said, people there in Jerusalem, we will not walk in it. They were bent on destruction. Destruction came in the year 586 BC when the Babylonians became the instrument of death and destruction for Jerusalem. They refused. They refused the invitation of God to seek the ancient paths and to walk in those ancient paths. We need to remember that God wants more for us than we can ever imagine. God wants more for us than we can ever dream. The Apostle Paul said, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceive what God has prepared for those Who love him may we love him may we seek to walk closely to him and may we find the joy of walking those right paths friends would you pray with me God we thank you that you do not leave us to our own devices You offer us so much wisdom for the living of these days. You have revealed Yourself to us. You have revealed Your will and Your way to us. Help us to saturate our lives in Your wisdom. God, we thank You for all those who have gone before us, those who have mentored us, those who continue to this day to teach us of the faith. God, we pray that You'll help us to find the riches of the faith that is offered to us in Jesus Christ. And we hear that invitation from Jesus to us this morning, and we invite Him into our hearts. We know that He stands at the door of our hearts and He knocks. May we open the door of our heart. May we receive Him into our hearts. May we invite Him in on His terms. May we allow Him to rule and reign in our hearts and in our lives. Be preeminent, Lord, in our lives. Amen.